0: You're listening to a podcast of a Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all again in this morning. Um, and I want to say good morning as well to those of you down in Café Church, you're probably not even listening to me or enjoying your coffee and your croissants even as we speak, but good morning or bonjour or connois t'a as we say in Irish. Good morning everyone, just seems we're sort of an Irish, th- a French team. I thought we'd take it. Isn't it great to have Tom and Denise back? Yeah, well, yeah we can give a round of applause. Well, we missed you while you were gone, it's lovely to have you back, it's lovely to have you back. Uh, sincerely, sincerely. No, as uh, any of you who are here the last couple of times will know I've been talking about patterns recently about the patterns that God works with in the Bible. Now I, each one of these uh, messages about patterns actually stands alone quite on its own so that you, you don't need to have tuned into the previous ones. Well let me give you a, a quick flashback In the first one I was talking about the pattern of provision. How when God delivers his people and calls people after him he always provides for his people. It's a settled question. Will there be enough? Yes there will be enough because God has deemed it so the second thing I pointed out was that when God calls his people he doesn't call them to idleness he calls them to a purpose he gives them something to do in their lives he actually has a plan for something for them to do as I was speaking last Wednesday night, last Tuesday night, I may have to forget my days already, last Tuesday night, I was talking about how God has a pattern of protection, that when he calls people after him, he provides for them, he gives them purpose, and he protects them while they serve him. And that's one of God's patterns. We've been looking at that. Well, this morning, I want to look at, if you will, the last of these patterns that I'm going to look at for now. I want to look at it in, I don't want to look at it in too much detail because we don't have time, but I want to look at some general principles, if you will, this morning. This morning, I'm talking about The pattern of power, that God, when he calls his people out, he provides for them, he gives them a purpose, and he gives them the power to fulfill the purpose that he's called them out to do. Does that make sense? There is no point in being told by your boss to do a job and then not being given the tools or the ability to do it. God gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. I want to start, however, with where I stopped last week. I was talking about, the, about God's um, pattern of purpose in our lives. And the, the Bible verse I finished with last was from John 15, and this was it. It says this, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The punchline is in me. That's the punchline. All of these things, God's provision, his protection, his purpose, his power, are all based on us being in him connected to the vine he is the source of our power and our purpose and our provision we receive from him and it's only so long as we remain in him connected to him attached to him if you go and you cut down some branches off a bush in your back garden today or cut a few lop a few uh, limbs off a tree you'll notice that very quickly afterwards those limbs will die they will die uh, simply because they're disconnected from the source of their provision and this is what we're talking about. morning, I'm talking about that flow of the power, presence, purpose of God in our lives. That's what I'm talking about this morning. It's about remaining in him. And the point I made last week, and I want to re-emphasize it. We can have sometimes a sentimental view or a devotional view of what it means to remain in Jesus. But remaining in Jesus and bearing fruit is actually an active thing. The old preacher Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones famously said that to remain in Christ is a tremendously active thing. It's not a passive thing that happens. We don't go and sit and just wait and say, well, I'm just remaining in Jesus. Remaining means that we will produce fruit and it's action that produces fruit. It is by doing that we produce. Like I said, it was what was said to the servant, the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well thought, not well dreamed, not well imagined, but well done, good and faithful servant. And so this morning when I'm talking about the power, I'm talking about the power to do what God has called us to do. I want to start off by looking at a guy in the Bible who himself actually struggled and didn't have an awful lot of power at one stage in his life. I want to talk to you this morning briefly about Peter. Now, Peter is well known to all of you who've ever read the Bible. And even if you haven't read the Bible, the Apostle Peter is so famous. Pretty well everyone in the world has probably heard of him. Um, and this guy was, he was a really good guy. That's the bottom line. Peter was a good guy. He meant well. He wanted to do the right thing. He actually had good intentions in his heart and in his mind. Jesus had called him to follow him. And Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. If you stay with me, I will, I will use you mightily, Peter. But Peter had to face something in his life. And that was that Peter had to face the fact that he had no power. Peter had to realize that it wasn't just all about him. Now, Jesus had made promise, or Peter had made promises to Jesus, that he was always going to be faithful to him. And no matter what happened in his life, he would always remain faithful to Jesus. He said, I don't mind. He says, I'm willing to die for you, Lord. Really? Said Jesus. You're really willing to die for me, Peter? Honestly? Before the cock crows, I'm telling you, you're going to deny me three times that you even know me. When the heat comes on. And Peter said, never, Lord. I'm willing to go all the way for you. Peter was full of himself. Full of his own ideas. Full of his own energy. Full of his own enthusiasm. Full of his own imagination. He thought he could do it. Until the test came. I'm going to read from Mark's Gospel because Mark's Gospel is considered to be Peter's gospel in many senses, that he dictated it to the writer, Mark. It's supposed to be, it is the earliest recorded gospel, and it's believed to be Peter's testimony of the things that happened. And he features big in Mark's gospel, and he features as not an exactly tremendous or um, successful or heroic guy. Here's from Mark's gospel. This is at the time when Jesus has been arrested. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed that Peter was warming himself by the fire. Jesus has been arrested and he's standing trial, an illegal trial. She looked closely and said, you, you were with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went outside to the entryway and just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. He's definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Asher, you must be one of them. And Peter swore, A curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. And this is Peter's own recorded version of the events of that evening. And Peter breaks down and weeps because he had said some great things. He had said and intended good things. What was in Peter's heart was good. He really wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to stand with Jesus. He was full of energy and enthusiasm. But when the crunch came, he didn't have it in him. He didn't have the ability to do it. Now, I like the honesty of this story because if I had written this story about myself, I certainly wouldn't have referenced a servant girl being the one who found me out. If I was telling the story, I would have told it like, and as Peter stood there bravely, 50 Roman soldiers came and confronted him and said, thou too art a Galilean, aren't thou? I would have told the story, maybe, maybe slightly embellished it, but no, he tells the story honestly. It was a servant girl. Who came out and accused him. A young one who comes out and says, you're a Galilean, I can tell from your accent. <laughs> she could see that he was one of them. And it was a servant girl. And I can imagine for the rest of their days, every time the disciples were together. And Peter tells this story, especially if John was there. Because John was in the courtyard as well. He would say, and then a servant girl said to me. And all the lads around him go, <coughs> Sorry, Peter. Sorry, carry on with the story. Sorry, carry on with the story. It would be a servant girl. Come on. A servant girl accuses him. So when he gets to the point of testing, when he gets to the point where it really hits the road, he just doesn't have it in him. And sometimes you you can go from here if you wanted to Eason or to Waterstones or whatever, and you can get all these books about how to change your life. Self-help books. Shelves are full of them. I've even bought a few over the years. But I'll tell you something, no matter how good your intentions are, if you don't have the power to carry them out, they'll actually only generate frustration in you. They'll only go, why can't I do this thing? Why can't I walk past the fridge without opening it? Amen. You can see we're reaching into the real lives of people here at Grace Christian Church. He hadn't got any power. And you know something? He would never, ever experience power unless this moment came when he realized that it wasn't about him and it wasn't about his strength and it wasn't about his ability. He had to realize there was nothing in him, really, that was of much good. And his breaking down and weeping was an acknowledgement of all the great promises he made and he couldn't fulfill them. Now I want to look at Peter about 50 days later, there are thereabouts, maybe a little bit more, maybe 52 days later. And a completely different situation occurs. And again, Peter is in the middle of everything. But something interesting has happened. Jesus said, when I go, I will send you the Holy Spirit. He said to his disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that story is recorded in Acts chapter 2 of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and into their lives. And they were filled up with the Holy Spirit and we read about a different version of Peter, because there's a tumult, trouble breaks out, people are amazed at what's going on in this small room amongst these 120 so-called so, so believers in the Messiah Jesus, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're prophesying there's all sorts of weird things going on and Peter's in the middle of it all, and I'd say he's prophesying, and Peter's probably delighted himself big beam and smile in his face yes, the power of God has come upon me and then it records this about Peter it records in Acts chapter two then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd hold this is not a crowd of 20 people this is a crowd of thousands in the temple area this is a big crowd now remember in front of a servant girl he couldn't own Jesus as his master in front of a servant girl and a few old guards or or workmen warming themselves by a fire he denied who Jesus was and here 50 days later 51 52 days later he stands up and he addresses a huge crowd of people and he begins to speak each of you he says must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the holy spirit this promises to you to your children and those who are far away all who have been called by the lord our god Suddenly, he's standing up in front of this hostile crowd of Jews. And he's declaring who Jesus is. What happened between a servant girl and thousands of Jews? What's happened? Something has been transformed inside. And Peter goes on to say this. It says, Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And he finishes with this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized And added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Now, can you imagine going from denying three times to seeing 3,000 people become believers? Now, what happened in the middle of all that? He received power when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he was able to do the things that he couldn't do before. He was able to do mighty exploits that he couldn't previously do. And if you watch the story of Peter as it continues through Acts, you see that he's able to perform miracles. And he's, again, he continues to preach the message of the good news of Jesus. And people, the message just breaks out all over the place. And people are getting saved and coming to a personal faith in Jesus Christ all the way through that story. What has happened? What has changed? The power of God has come to, re- to reside in his life in a real and substantial way. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I've got the power to do the things that I feel are the right things to do. I know sometimes, I know you're all in a different plane, you're all in a se- seriously high spiritual plane, and you, you know, you're know you all doing really, really well, and you know, fantastic, God bless you, but sometimes I, and it's going to be me only, because I know I'm the only one, I struggle sometimes to carry out the things that I know God would want me to do because sometimes I feel like I lack power. Look at the pattern of power here as we look at it right throughout the whole Bible. When God wanted somebody to do something, when he gave them a purpose, he always empowered them to do it. If we look at the people and the power, that people who experienced it, here's just a a very, very fast list. I'm not going to go through it, but here's a very fast list of people who experienced the power of God to achieve a certain end and at a certain time. Moses and Samson and Gideon and Elijah and Elisha and Peter and Paul. And we could keep on writing this list. You could put 200 names on this list if you want to go through the whole history of the Bible. So there is a clear pattern that when God does something, when he calls people to do something, he does something, uh, he gives them the power to achieve what it is that he wants them to do interestingly however there is a shift between the old testament and the new testament and this is very important for us to understand in the old testament the spirit or power of god came upon people to achieve an exploit it came upon them and empowered them in a particular moment to achieve a particular thing however in the new testament the holy spirit now lives within us It's now a different dispensation. We're in a different situation. Now the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in us. So therefore his power is effectively available to us all of the time. Now, if you go through this list i don 't think anybody here is going to be called to deliver the nation of Israel from the attacks of the Philistines. Anybody here got that calling on their life i don 't think so i don't think so i don 't think anybody here has been called uh, like, um, like Elijah to stop the rain from falling for, for two and a half years in the nation of Israel. Anybody here got that calling? Don't think anybody had that calling either. Wasn't 100% sure. Or maybe like Elisha, to park the Jordan River. Anybody here got, got, got that calling? On? No? Okay. We won't be praying. A few afterwards, so then. But has, has anybody here been called to live a life that honors God? Has, has anybody here been called to live a life that displays God's goodness and God's kindness to others? You see, when we get into the New Testament and we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can very sometimes get focused on the gifts. Now, The gifts is a brilliant study and we'll do it in the next week or two. It's a different, it's a different avenue to the road that I feel God wants me to go this morning. Because when you get into the New Testament, and Paul particularly and Peter writes, they begin to write about the power of God's Spirit inside us. He's talking about a different effectiveness of that power. He's not talking about the power all the time to raise the dead, though that did happen and still does happen. Hallelujah. He wasn't necessarily talking about amazing miracles, though that did happen and still happens. But it's just a different uh, route of a road to go than the one I want to go on today. When we look at the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's power in almost invariably is referred to by Paul and by Peter as power for living. It's power to live the life that God has called you to live. So if you look at the New Testament and the things that God wants us to do, let's look at at this verse here for a starter. Let's look at what Peter had to say first. This is what Peter writes. He says this, he says, By his divine power, God has given us, the odd couple of things that we might need along the way to help us to live a godly life. Amen? Amen. No, that's not what it says. (laughs) It is up there in very large writing. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Given us, the odd thing, no, He's given us everything we need. And it's by His power his power alive and at work in you and in me hallelujah Hallelujah. everything we need so what does that mean well it means that well let's see what it means here's here's what paul writes to the philippian church i like what he says this he's he takes it actually one step further than what peter did because peter has said that god has given us the power to do everything or everything we need. But this is what Paul says. He says, Paul is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I would imagine that if you're a Christian and you come to church on a Sunday morning, you want to do what pleases God generally. Would that be okay? Mm, I'm not sure really. I'm not sure. I was thinking about that. So, God has given you the power to. So it's not only the power that's available, it is the desire to do the right thing. Because you know what? Left to my own devices, I don't particularly feel like loving my neighbor when he turns up the music at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 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 I think it's... he's after turning it off, darling. I think so too.
1: Ow, ow, <laughs>
0: Don't ask me why, but at that moment, I'm not lying there going, Lord, help me to love my neighbor. That prayer doesn't seem to bounce out of me for some reason. But God gives us the desire and the power. It gives wives the desire and the power to love their husbands. Yes, yes. It is an everlasting battle. It gives men the desire and the power to love their wives. Amen. Amen. I was going to say partners are significant others, but we'll move on from there. He gives us the desire and the power. The desire not to open the fridge and the power to not reach out and grab the handle and open it. You see, sometimes... I have a desire to do something, but I don't have the power. And sometimes I have the power, but I don't have the desire. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sometimes the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. I think it actually plays both way, the desire and the power. Like, I like to go for exercise. I know you're bored to hear me going off and running. Michael, Michael, the boring runner is out running again. So I like to do that. But sometimes I know I have the power, but I just don't have the desire. I'd rather eat a big bag of crisps and look at the telly. Amen, because I'm free. And sometimes I have the desire. I really like to go out for a run, but I don't have the energy for it today, darling. I think I'll get the same bag of crisps and watch the telly again if that's okay with you. But God works in us to give us both because the desire to please God, believe it or not, actually begins with God in the first place. That's what the Bible teaches. It's he puts the desires, the natural, or he puts the desires inside us. This is what, uh, I I think this is Paul saying this. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Brothers and sisters, can I say this to you with a heart, genuine heart? There's more in you than you imagine. You've got more power in you than you imagine is in you. You've got more ability and more stamina and more perseverance in you than you imagine is in you. And his mighty power at work in you is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Now, I, in some translations it says ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine a lot of things and yet Paul says his, his power at work in us can do way more than you might Imagine way more. See, sometimes it can be a struggle to just pray. Sometimes it can be a struggle to be a parent. Sometimes it can be a struggle to be a husband. Would any of the brothers say amen? I'm on my own here, lads. Thank you. Bless you, my children. Sometimes it can be a struggle to respect your husband. Let's just reflect on that for a few moments. Just let it soak into the soul. You see, the power that's at work in us is a power for living. It's the power for living the life that God wants you to live. A life that honors him and pleases him. That gives you the ability to do what pleases the Lord. But sometimes we lack power. I do. Maybe you don't. You know, it's the power to resist temptation. It's the power to say no to your enemy, the devil. It's the power to forgive someone who has wronged you badly. That's the power that's at life and at work in us. There is so much more to it, but we can't go into it all now. The problem is is that we can get into our heads that, you know, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then, you know, I don't know, I just carried on, and I just ran out of energy, or I I just didn't have it in me anymore. And, you know, there's a real simple reason for that. You're full of holes. You're full of holes, and I'm full of holes, and we leak. Do you know, I'm driving along in my car sometimes, and this little symbol comes on. Does anybody know what that symbol means? Yeah? I've a little... This is telling me that your oil level is low. And of course, it puts blind panic into anybody knows who knows what happens when the oil level goes low in your engine. Here's a piece of mechanical information. If it's an orange light, fill up with oil as soon as you can. If it's a red light, stop your car No. But most of us experience the orange light experience. No, maybe you don't own a car. Maybe this is probably something that would be a little bit more familiar to you. <laughs> Do you know the blind panic that comes into when you go, I've only got seven percent left? <laughs> you know, I, I see it with my teenagers at home, Dad, where's the charger? What, what's wrong? I've only got three percent! What, like three percent of your life left? <laughs> Those are three percent of the phone! <laughs> Snapchat will shut down if I'm not on it twenty four seven! Mark Zuckerberg is waiting for me to top up. (laughs) But you know, sometimes we just don't have it in us because our energy levels and our oil levels run low. And you know what's a reasonable? More than a reasonable. Do you know what's a great prayer to pray? Lord, give me strength. Give me the power to do what I need to do. Do you know, it may be the power to love your boss. Maybe power just to get through the next semester in school. Maybe the power to get through the next trimester in pregnancy. I don't know. But every one of us needs power. Paul is coming towards the end of his life, right? And towards the end of his life, he's gone through a lot of trials. He's been beaten, he's been stoned, and not in the cool sense, but he's been stoned by by, by his enemies. He's been he's slept naked in the wilderness he's gone hungry he's gone thirsty he's gone through it all and then towards the end of his life he's writing a letter to the church in philippi who've kind of been kind to him and they've sent him a gift it would appear they sent him a gift of some money and some provisions and maybe even some clothes. And he's thrilled with their gift. And he says, but you know what he says? He says, to be honest with you, I've learned, that, I've learned that the secret of being content in any and every situation. You know, contentment is a great gift. And we look at that some other day. And then Paul says this at the very end of this letter. He says, for I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything. I can love my neighbor through him who gives me strength. I can parent my children. I can respect my boss. I can love my wife through him. Who gives me strength and here's the important part when we realize that we do things in the strength of God and with God's power and enablement in our life guess who gets the credit or what the Bible calls the glory God gets the glory Amen. he gets the glory and when God gets the glory everyone is blessed You see, because when it's about us, we have nothing. I mean no disrespect to anybody here. You have nothing to offer. It's only what God is doing through you. That's what you've got to offer. That's what you've got to offer. Nothing else. And so when God gets the glory, we get blessed. I love the old, again, I want to quote him, the... um, The old Christian preacher, D.M. Lloyd-Jones, said this. He said, a good translation of this passage is this. He said, I am strong for all things through the one who constantly infuses his strength into me. I'm strong for all things through him who constantly infuses his strength into me. Now, I know there are people here this morning who need power. And so I'm going to ask you, do you need power this morning? Are you facing a trial or a temptation? Are you facing a struggle? Are you facing a difficulty that you don't feel you're able for? Do you need the power to forgive someone this morning? Do you need the power to live a life? You can fill in your own blank on that. But I want us to pray this morning. Because you know where it all starts? It starts with asking God to empower us to honor him with our lives. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing the song Strange. Tom was talking about the breath, catching the breath this morning. And our ministry song this morning is Breathe On Me, Breath of God. We want to experience the breath of God, breathing into our lives this morning Josiah will you throw me up that last slide there sorry my my friend you just jumped out a bit too quick you're a little bit ahead of me will you stand with me for a second we're going to pray this is what Psalm 84 verse 5 says you bless all who depend on you for their strength you bless does anybody here want to be blessed go on I want to be blessed he blesses all those who depend on him for strength hallelujah hallelujah It's not about us, brothers and sisters. It's not about our ability. It's about God's ability and power at work in us. Let's sing. We're going to just open up and breathe a deep breath of God.